Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life, back into the land. Oh, oh, oh. help the garden grow, singing. Oh, 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 we've got to help the garden grow. Welcome to the Urban Homestead Radio. We are your hosts, Annie, Jordan. Special thanks to our sponsor, Layman's, in Kidron, Ohio. For over 60 years, they have provided practical, non-electrical tools and appliances and home goods. Our family has been a huge fan of theirs since the 1990s and have purchased many quality products for our own homestead. When technology fails, their products will certainly work. So check out their website and online catalog at layman's.com. That's L-E-H-M-A-N-S dot com. We appreciate the support of this podcast. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow. Sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help, help the garden grow. Oh, oh, oh. Help the garden grow. Sing it. Oh, oh, oh. We've got to help the garden grow. Well, hey, folks, thanks for tuning in. Today, we have Glenda Lehman Irvin of Lehman's, our podcast sponsor. We thank you for joining us, and we are so grateful for your support. Thanks for being oh, a sponsor. Well, thank you. Love the show. Welcome back. And uh, obviously, Happy New Year and all that stuff, too. So we're in a new year. Yes, January in Ohio is very different than, than Christmas. Not so much weather-wise, but the activity of the business. Of course, we're very busy in the retail store and in the, the call center in December, and then January it slows down. And so we actually refer to it as the mythical slow time because so many projects are put off till January. It turns out to be very busy. Yeah, I know how that is. <laughs> January is supposed to be our slow time and I, I'm busier than ever. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's good to keep busy. So how was the holiday season for you guys? In terms of sales know, and, and weather and everything? Yeah, it was it was really pretty good. Uh, Christmas, the whole season was actually very pretty. The kind of soft snowflakes that you would see in a postcard or a calendar picture. And then the first week in January and the second week turned into bitter cold and ice storms. And so I'm just thankful that that was January and not not over the holidays, but we um, we kept up. Uh, people, I think, tend to wait a little bit later than they used to, and so we're, we're very busy until the very last minute, but it was just fun to talk to customers really all over the country, if not all over the world, who were choosing gifts for their loved ones. One of my favorite seasons. <laughs> yeah. We have to apologize for our weather over here. It's been a nice 80 degrees um, for a while. Flip-flops and tank tops. Yeah. So it's been, uh, we hear it on the news about how cold and icy it is over there. But we've been relatively mild out here. We did have a big rainstorm. You probably caught that on the news. It killed a bunch of people at the mudslides and stuff like that. So that was our biggest weather storm of the year. Yeah. Well, yeah, it does seem like a lot of weather anomalies this year, which is, or last year, which is unfortunate. Yeah. I mean, we usually have snow in the mountains at this time and there's 
it's pretty dry. So it's kind of scary for us. Um, you know, we're in such a semi-arid uh, environment that, you know, dependent on water here in LA. So a little, a little scary where we stand at. I think we only have gotten two inches of rain and uh, average for Pasadena is about 16. So we are very, this is uh, our rainy behind. season. Yeah, right? <laughs> if we don't get rain by, I would say April, yeah, we might as well just, yeah. yeah so, so, so yeah, um, of a product line we have, my, my father who founded the company is often said, and this is true, there's a lot of things you can live without, but water isn't one of them. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Have, All right. So what kind of things do you have related to like a water usage, like a uh, water collection or, I mean, water saving, your father, your father, you know, he, he started the business and, you know, I'm sure that was quite prominent on his mind so maybe you can tell our listeners about what kind of products you have for water yeah it's not only capturing water it's cleaning water filtering water um, we sell a lot of water pumps which is of course the way to get water out of the ground mm -hmm. if you have property but it's also very important to have clean water. I have heard, I can't really back this up, but I've heard that, that unclean water likely kills more people than anything else from cholera and giardia and all kinds of nasty diseases. So we sell a lot of water filters too. A new product line that we have, it's, it's new to us, it's called Life Straw. And basically they have all different sizes from, you know, large tabletop, but the one I'm enamored with is about the size of maybe a paper towel roll and it has a filter in it and you can stick this life straw into anything a muddy creek um uh, a glass of kool-aid anything and it turns it back into water <laughs> glass of kool-aid <laughs> does it filter all that stuff out no it does Yep. It'll turn coffee back into water. It'll turn, you know, when people are out camping or hiking and they see a creek, you think, oh, fresh, clean water. Yeah. Well, it probably isn't because there's probably animals that have done things, including dying, that are laying in that stream. And that's the kind of stuff that can make you very sick. So in addition to, to gathering water from a pump and, and saving water in containers, cleaning water, filtering it is very important. Well, that's amazing. Yeah, I'm glad you're carrying the life straw. I think I was aware of it when they first were developed. They were kind of like this. I think this guy developed it. Huh? Like a Kickstarter. Yeah, it was like a Kickstarter. And he did it for like the third world countries that, you know, trying to bring clean water to the people that don't have access it access because you know, a lot of wars will be fought over clean water and um, I'm pretty excited that you're carrying it because I've always wanted one and I thought about it <laughs> but uh, you know it's 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 a pretty exciting and amazing uh, innovation I believe well, I tell you what, a couple things. It was one of my favorite Christmas gifts because I could tell people I bought it once and I'm giving twice because Life Straw provides things in developing countries with the proceeds and mm -hmm. then also giving a gift. That's one thing. And then the second thing is I'm going to send you one and you guys can have some fun with this new kind of viral thing called the Life Straw Challenge. <laughs> Basically, each other. So you can look at your spouse or your brother and say, I challenge you to drink out of that muddy puddle. Okay. I'll do it. I you to drink out of the <laughs> Justin's looking at me like, uh oh, she's going to do this to me. Was, yeah, I'm definitely going to do that. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, that's going to be exciting. Yeah. You can see how well they work. Okay. Sounds good. Now, we look forward to that. Thank you. You also have other products like um, bees and chickens you're moving into or what? Um, we do. You know, for, for so long, we carried products to basically live off the land. And it was mostly gardening, which, mm -hmm. of course, that's a big part of it. You know, gardening, harvesting, 
food processing. But a big part of living off the land is having livestock that provide eggs, milk, that sort of thing. I mean, nowadays people go to the grocery store and buy that. But but back in the day, and, and certainly in some areas still, like the Amish in our area, you need to have those animals. Mm-hmm. So we started thinking about, you know, what is the most likely thing? And we surveyed customers and talked to some of our, our homesteading folks. And chickens was very popular. We actually kind of refer to it as the gateway livestock because you start out with a couple chickens and then you add a goat and you add a cow. And, <laughs> and, and chickens are, are really, really fascinating. So we, we've learned a lot about them. Um, and we're able to to teach people. Now, you guys probably have a deep knowledge of chickens, but just for example, you don't need a rooster. If you want baby chicks, you need a rooster, but a chicken will have eggs without a rooster. That is still, people do not know that. I had, uh, we had a far, uh, class with um, some at-risk um, kids the last, you know, the other day. And, and yeah, people don't know that. And it's not something they think that you need a rooster and a hen to have eggs. So no, it's it's so right. misconception. So we've gotten so far away from you know I guess what I'd say common knowledge of a hundred years ago, and it's just bringing it back, and particularly with chickens, you know, actually educating people how it's, what it, where an egg comes from. <laughs> right, and then then there's there's three different levels really. You you can have eggs and hatch them. You can either buy them or you can have a rooster. And that's, that's pretty intense with the incubator and all that. You have to know what you're doing. Um, and then the next step, which is not quite as difficult, actually I've done it, is have chicks, baby chicks that you buy and raise them. Or you can just get, get chickens. You know, maybe your neighbor has an extra chicken. I'm really a fan of raising them. And we only had two. But raising them as chicks because they do have different personalities. And they're, they're not exactly pets. To me, they're kind of borderline livestock slash domesticated because they will follow you around. They do have different personalities. Um, I was very interested in the pecking order, even with just two. Mm-hmm. One is in charge. I mean, that phrase, I rule the roost, that comes yeah. from chickens pecking order. And then if you introduce new chickens into the flock, you have to kind of separate them a little bit. And it's interesting too, that chickens don't have a really good sense of smell so people used to try to say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll clean this one off with baby wipes or something so they won't know he's new. They recognize the silhouette of a chicken. Now, to us, all silhouettes of chickens probably look about the same. I mean, unless they vary greatly in sizes. But, but chickens' eyesight recognizes their hearing is good and their eyesight is good, but their sense of smell isn't good. So if you have two chickens you've had for a couple of years and you get some more, you're very wise to put like a mesh wire or something between them because that pecking order means that the one who's in charge is not going to like the newcomers yeah. and it, there could be a fight i mean there it could, could be a, it gets bloody and ugly sometimes i mean you think this cute, yeah. little, cute cute little chicken yeah. you know that's so sweet wants to sit in your lap it, it can sometimes they turn into yeah. little monsters it's like really and the other thing, too, we're actually selling chickens now, and we've learned that it's not surprising, but if you're not familiar with chickens, they probably all look alike. Like people that aren't familiar with cats, they all look alike. Different cats, different breeds, have different personalities. The same with chickens. Some are good in the cold weather. Some are good um, by themselves. They tend to be very social. So I, I wouldn't really suggest just getting one chicken. I'd suggest two. Maybe you found that out, too. Um, some are very good laying um, eggs, some, some are loud. Some will run for you. So if you have small children and they want to pick up the chickens, there's certain breeds. One of the things that we tell people when they're just starting out 
is get a common breed, like like Rhode Island Red is very common. Some of the, the highly bred, unusual-looking chickens, they're beautiful, but they tend to be more more high-maintenance, and, and just they take a lot more effort because, really, raising chickens is pretty low-maintenance. There's certain things you have to do. You have to make sure that they have the right food and clean water, and they can be a little messy if you've ever had chickens. They're kind of indiscriminate in their bathroom behavior, if you get my drift. Yes, that is very important. And actually, people think they, they'll come home to roost, right? They'll come home and they'll go in their, their little home and you can latch the door. And you want to make sure you do that, not because the chickens will escape, but because something will get them. That's the number one. Yeah, that's the number one people, uh, number one reason people lose chickens is they forgot to close the door or something a, got a in. A raccoon opened it. Oh, well, because they're sitting chickens. They're just sitting there ready for something to come in take the dark them. And so. Yeah, so I, the saying, the fox, the fox in the hen house. Yes. Did I uh, catch that right? You're actually selling chickens now? Like mail order? Yeah, we are. Okay, is it just we locally are. or is it mail order as well? No, we're, we're doing it mail order. They've, they've got it down to a science. We were, you know, a little reticent, but we talked to people in the homesteading community and and that's the, the way it's done. Um, Myers Hatchery is one of the big players in the, in the business, and, and that's, that's what they do. And so we're, yeah, we're, we're excited about it. Um, helping people, you know, what we're all about is helping people on their journey to homesteading and to simplicity. So you could have 40 chickens and eight horses and you want more. That's fine. You could be someone like me that has never had chickens and wanted to experience it and, and see what it was like and um, be around. And they are, they are fascinating creatures. Kind of funny story. When we had the two chickens, we also had a duck. And the duck somehow imprinted on one of the chickens. So I think he thought he was a chicken. Yeah. <laughs> that will happen. <laughs> so, but you know what he did? You know how they peck at the ground? Because chickens yes. can get little bugs. Around. The poor duck, and he's got a big round beak, right? Was trying so around, and we would look at him in the face and go, "You are a duck. You are not a chicken." As um, long as the chickens had- didn't try to swim, we're okay, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I guess it was better that way in printing than the other way where the chickens got into the water. <laughs> that would have been disastrous. Yeah, and the, duck, the duck would swim in, the, in our pond, but the chicken had to sit on the little deck. Well, I'm actually excited you're mailing chickens. That's I can definitely recommend that because I get a lot of people who, you know, often ask who I recommend for chickens. And I really haven't like had this like personal connection with breeders or hatcheries. And I'm, you know, I'm very excited that you're doing that. Will that be in your catalog? Is it on your inter- on your website? How do you find more information about yeah, that? It's on the web and it's on the that's coming out soon because it's, okay. it's brand new for us. And then we have, um, and actually what we kept our chickens in, and actually we kept a rabbit in it too, a chicken tractor. Are you familiar with a chicken yes. tractor? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where, where basically there's no bottom on it and it's got wheels and so you just move it. So mm-hmm. the chickens are able to be in the, you know, in the grass and, and that sort of thing. Okay. So that's, that's actually your, your new products on the market. That's pretty exciting. So we can find that on your website. Yes. Yep, there, there's two. There's a larger one that's Amish made, and then there's another one that's not quite as big. Um, you know, one of the things that, that people I would recommend is having a chicken run mm-hmm. and, and definitely not keeping them in the, the, the chicken tractor all the time. They need wow. to, to get out, walk around, and, um, and they, they, they will come back. 
um, they're, they're very much creatures of habit. I don't know if you've noticed that, but like if you let them out at 6 a.m. every day and then maybe Saturday you decide to sleep in, they're going to be very unhappy by 7 o'clock. Because <laughs> they, like, they like to have schedules and they like to have rules. It makes the life, I don't know, like more secure or something. They're just very happy when you have rules and schedules for them. <laughs> They are. And it's like a it's like a little community, right? Because you've got the pecking order and then you've got the rules and you've got the schedule and each one will choose where they lay their eggs. Mm-hmm. And that's their spot. And if somebody else lays an egg in that spot, we've got a problem. Yes, so, I know. It's, it's chaos. An interesting microcosm of, you know, I don't know, like a high school. <laughs> that's a good one yeah there's the peck you know there's the click because i have a lot more chickens than two there's the click there's the there's the cool chickens <laughs> and then there's some of the other ones that are kind of a little bit more ditzy and kind of on the outs yeah it's it's high school honestly it is that's a great description so i'm really excited to see your chicken products because i'm kind of like the you know a little bit obsessed with chickens and good chicken products are very hard to find even one to recommend things that last a long time. There's some things that happen because uh, chickens have become very popular and very trendy. And some people put a lot of products on the market that fall apart. And people ask like, where's a good chicken, you know, something that I can put my chickens in that's well-made. And I'm happy that you're carrying things that are Amish made because I know they'll be high quality. Yeah, it is. It is a very big, solid, um, and like I said, we kept a rabbit in for a while. And then my husband added on to it. So it was like the rabbit condo because it wasn't oh. quite big enough. So he added on to it. So he had more room to, to run around. But um, yeah, one of the things, too, is we encourage people. Um, there are places now, maybe you know some of them, that rent chickens. People get chickens. And they, they've got their schedule in their order, and they're used to being fed and laying. Then they get tired of them, and they take them out into the country and let them go. And no different than releasing a, a dog or a cat into the wild. That's not really fair to the chicken. No. So we, we tell people, if you aren't sure, if you want chickens, either ba- go to the neighbor that's got chickens and babysit them for the weekend. Um, because not not everybody is is suited for them. Like I said, they do make a bit of mess, and they do like to keep on their schedule. And um, I, I think they're fascinating too. I just uh, they're just fun to watch. Well, you'd yeah. have to do your homework first because we've had people um, go buy chicks and then call us up and says, "So what, what do I, I do start? now?" <laughs> I'm just like in complete panic. I'm like, "What?" <laughs> do your homework. Well, we always encourage do their research um are you guys familiar with lisa Steele? yes okay she's she's a a great resource for us Mm -hmm. fresh eggs daily but but she always says that too do your research you know when so when we have customers that come in i mean bless their hearts but they live in the city and they got a country place and they want four chickens two goats three cows and a horse and we're like whoa 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 This isn't this isn't like, you know, computer. You can't I mean, it's you can't put it on pause. These animals, they're living creatures. You can't just say, OK, pause it and walk away and go on vacation, come back and find your little farm still alive. It's, yeah, here. Yeah, here we see them dumped off at the Humane Society. Actually, in the last two weeks, there's um, four roosters running around our neighborhood. Somebody just dumped them. So I think they thought I would take them, but I can't have roosters. Yeah, but so. um, the last, I believe. 10 chickens that came to our homestead or, no, or were home chickens that needed homes. I actually haven't bought any chicks in the last, you know, five years because I've been replenishing my chickens by 
chickens that needed homes, you know, and that's, it's actually kind of sad in a way. It's like these people, they get into it and then they realize they can't take care of it. And luckily I'm able to take them, but at some point there's, Mm -hmm. you know, the critical peak where I won't be able to take any more animals. Right. And chickens, just like any animal, if you don't take take care of them, they can get sick and then they can make other chickens sick and they can even make people sick. Mm -hmm. So, but I guess that's the, talking about the chickens, but of course the main reason people keep chickens, at least the ones I'm familiar with, are the eggs. Mm-hmm. Having fresh eggs that look different, that taste different, that you don't even need to, to refrigerate them if you don't wash them. It's just completely different. And I haven't noticed it. See what you think. But some people say, um, well, well, two things I have noticed. If you feed your chickens different things like onions, the eggs taste off. But different chickens' eggs taste differently. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's true? Yes, it is true. It's by breed. Um, each mm-hmm. breed has a different taste. And each, I would say more, each chicken is individual in the shape and the color of its egg. I'm not sure about the taste. But in breeds are different tastes. But in, uh, I would, for the longest time, I was able to tell who laid what egg because of the shape and the color. And it also no refrigeration. Mm-hmm. Europe, Europe does that. It's yeah. only American. We're the only country in the U.S. Um, country in the world that actually refrigerates our eggs. Um, so there's a lot of you know misconceptions on misconceptions that. on refrigeration, refrigeration and chicken eggs. So um, yeah, I mean, besides the, I think I could talk about chickens forever. But <laughs> you, so a lot, a lot of your product would be found online. You can actually mm-hmm. go on and just like there's a whole section of chicken um, supply that we can refer people to. Yeah, yep, there is. Um, there's a farm and garden section, and underneath that, you just click on it. It's the top menu, and it just says chickens and chicken supplies, and we keep we keep adding to it. And actually, I love it when people who are experts like yourself look at our assortment, and you think, well, I wonder why they don't have this. Like, I just realized we don't have a good heating light mm-hmm. um, for a brooder. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm, I learn more about this because we're, we're not all chicken farmers. I mean, we try to be knowledgeable about our product line but if you have a chance to look at it and or any of your listeners and think boy Clemens really should carry this we are more than happy to um, try to find someone that's making it or best case scenario we can make it ourselves and then yeah. it brings something to market that doesn't well, exist just speaking on that level um I mean, I don't I haven't been to the to see what you've offering, but I believe the latest thing now is the more of like the um, not infrared heat, but what's the um, um, the um, radiant heat? Radiant heat. I used a Brinsey, yeah. a Brinsey incubator, yeah, and I it saved so much electricity, and it was so amazing because the it doesn't put the light on the baby chicks twenty four hours. It's more natural. It's more of a natural way of raising chicks because they get to sleep at night. I used that so for the last warm. yeah. I used that for the last batch of chicken chicks I raised, and, and there was a, a definite difference a where you don't put a light on the baby chicks 24 hours a day. It, it actually is the radiant heat. So there's no light. It just allows the chicks to be with the natural rhythms of the, of the of day and night. And they were healthier. They were the healthiest chickens we raised. Yeah, I, I, I think that is good. I know when we had ours, I always felt like they were too hot or too cold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt like I couldn't quite get it right. And I could see they'd huddle away but it's almost like when you're around a campfire, you yeah. know, as a person and you're up by the fire, it's like, oh, I'm too hot. So you back away. Oh, I'm too cold. Now I'm too hot. So yeah, um, that is one of the problems. 
it's a great and it's a great invention, I believe, and I, I I always recommend everybody use that because I'm all about raising chickens in more of a natural state and allowing them to sleep at night. So, yeah, that's yeah. what you know. If you can come up with you know something along those lines, that'd be completely <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so. Also, you're yeah. also doing bee bee or something bee supplies or oh, what? Yeah. Oh, he, he's done talking about chickens. He's moving us on. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, because he, he looks at me, he goes, you can you talk about chickens for the next three hours. So he's like, let's move on. <laughs> no, we can well, talk chickens. Wait, what breeds you carry? Oh, yeah, why don't you ask him what breeds you carry first? Do you Before have a we move on? Yeah. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I didn't quite hear the question. <laughs> um, we were just saying, do, do you have the, there are there, how many breeds are you carrying in terms of chicks? Um, there are six different breeds right now. Okay. So and, and what's your favorite? The Rhode Island Reds? Yeah. yeah. And, and um, I could, um, of course, I'm on my phone now. I could pull up the website, but um, they were not names that I was familiar with. But each one has a slightly different characteristic. Mm-hmm. Like this one's good with cold. This one's very friendly. This one's a good brooder. This one's a good layer. So, you know, again, if you would look at that assortment and think, oh, I wonder why they don't have this one. We are more than happy to let, to revisit that. So now bees? Yeah, <laughs> my brother is itching to get into the bee section. So let's get into the bee section. <laughs> okay, okay, so have, have you guys raised bees? Yes, my dad started 45 years ago in New Zealand. Um, caught his first swarm in a the neighborhood mm-hmm. barn mm-hmm. that was there, and they keep in 1972, so 40, 45 years. Um, and we grew up around them. Yeah, we played with bees as children. Bees yeah. are very oh, uh, familiar to us. Yeah, so it's a extracting honey. Yeah, extracting we still honey. have bees. We have hives of bees. Yeah. Well, I as much as we've complimented chickens, I think their fascination or my fascination with them pales in comparison to bees. Mm-hmm. Because the whole talk about a colony and the, the, the queen bee and just how they create the hexagonal shape of the honeycomb. Mm-hmm. And once they have the honey, they place it in the combs and cover it with wax. And I mean, I, I think actually they're genius mathematicians to come up with yeah. all of that. It's fascinating. You could just, I've, like I said, my whole life I've been around them. And every time I open up a hive and look at them, it's still... It still it's takes awful. your breath away. It's still, it's still amazing. It's like, perfect creation of design. Yeah, it's like, it's, it seems like it's chaos, but mm-hmm. there's a reason everything happens. They all know what they're doing. You know, and it, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a beautiful. I mean, yeah. I just, I just read today that the queen bee can lay up to 1500 eggs a day. Yes. Yes. That's great. And yeah. she doesn't feed herself. She doesn't groom herself. That's why she has her, I guess her entourage <laughs> around her to take care of her. But the, yeah, the whole thing is, is just, just fascinating to me. And it's also interesting to me how, how beloved they are now. And at one point, even, I don't know, as a child growing up, if you saw a bee, you killed it. Bees were bad. Yeah. We had a right. big, yeah, scare out here. I don't think it got up that high, but because of cold, um, because they don't survive the cold. But the biggest thing down here was Africanized bees. So, Basically, any wild hive that was on city property or in somebody's house, they bring out the exterminators and kill them because of this fear of Africanized bees. Now, whether or not they were, they just had this fear, you know, that, oh, these are killer bees and that we have to get rid of them. And we noticed years ago, it was like, what happened to all the bees? And there was just less and less of them. 
because of people's fear, misconception, or um, not educated about um, the actual bees and how they work and how they need, how we need them, how farmers and the society needs them to survive. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and I think there's a a big difference between honeybees and then maybe people are thinking of wasps or yellow jackets or and they have their place too. But I just I find the the honeybee to be a much gentler, less aggressive. Like you guys said, you played with bees, and yeah. I know the people that keep get stung, but it's not this angry mass that's coming out to get you. Like like you see sometimes in the movies, they're much more. <laughs> Docile than that. So, in addition to the fascination with their organization, of course, there's the benefits of honey and honeycomb. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm uh, honey. I put honey in my tea. My daughter makes all na- natural um, face masks with honey. You can cook with honey. I've heard that people that are are diabetic or watching their sugar will stay away from either artificial or real sugar and use honey instead. Um, there's just, you can put it on your toast. There's so many different things that you can do with it. And then the honeycomb. Um, I mean, you can make candles and soap and all kinds of things out of beeswax. So it's, um, it's, it's what I would call a a win, win, win. I I have read, they work very hard to make honey. What is it? Takes eight bees a lifetime to make it. Is it a tablespoon of honey? Well, they fly so many miles and million miles. Or yeah, they're like two hundred thousand flowers. Yeah, they basically fly they fly themselves to death. They bring back nectar and they vomit it. No, so, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. that's why I think we appreciate honey on a on a very deep level because of the amount of. You know, a lot of people go to the supermarket and get a jar of honey, and it's like, oh, here, great honey. But seeing the effort that goes into honey, it gives you a little bit of more appreciation to, I don't know, I guess respect and appreciation as mm-hmm. with eggs, seeing how, you know, chicken gives an egg. I don't know. I just have a lot more respect mm-hmm. for honey and eggs and eggs because I see where it comes from and, and it's, it's honoring the system, you know, it's respecting the effort that was given to you, to you to actually enjoy this end result from the animal. Yeah, and that's what would kind of to go back to our branding statement for a simpler life. A big part of that is satisfaction, and and that, that's what I would call that. It's very very satisfying. It's a chore to go to the grocery store, and believe me, I'm grateful that we have stores everywhere. But it's just very satisfying to think of. Um, I raised this chicken. I took care of it. It provided eggs, and I'm making breakfast for my family from eggs I just got, you know, another quick story. We had um, some friends of ours that had chickens and we took some other friends over city kids. And one of the the city kid children was able to take the egg out from the chicken. And he was disgusted because it was warm. (laughs) (laughs) Where did chicken, where the eggs come from? Chicken butt. (laughs) He was, he was just like, Oh, that's so gross. It's warm. Just like if you milk the cow, when it comes out of the cow, it's warm. Um, But he was just, no eggs in the refrigerator, so. Uh, yeah. Learning experience, I guess. It'll never be the same. So, so tell, yeah, tell us about the product you uh, have for bees. What are you offering? Um, we have, um, again, we're kind of experimenting. We have the full beekeeping suit. Mm-hmm. Um, people that, that need that. I don't know, not, not everybody wants that. We have different hives. We have different tools. We have, interestingly enough, one of the things that sells really well is the carpenter ant trap. Um, because people want to keep the carpenter ants away from their bees. 
Um, there's a local Amishman that lives just up the road from our store, and he's been raising bees for years. And we actually do a beekeeping workshop um, at our store now that has been very popular. Um, and it, it's interesting to me because some people, and I could see myself maybe doing this. I'm not ready to raise bees, but I would take the class just because I think it's interesting. I'd say a third of the class had no intention of raising bees. They just wanted to learn about it, to be knowledgeable. So, you know, maybe sometime down the road. And then two thirds of the class was, was all in, was really going to, to go and raise bees. Um, around here too, instead of buying bees, you can often find a hive which people get very excited when they can find a hive. Free bees, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it takes a commitment and um, obviously education to get started in that. You can't just go, you know, do your homework. You have to do your homework to, because you could get in over your head. Um, same things as with chickens. Um, if you make a mistake sometimes on the bees, they will sting you. Um, I like to work without work the bees without a suit. I keep a veil on to protect my face, but everything else I do in shorts and no gloves. And it's pretty, it's pretty relaxing just to sit there and watch them. So I, I really enjoy that. And I think that the bees don't like, if you don't have fear, they don't smell fear. And they, don't, they won't come Of course, there's a, people that are allergic. Yeah. Well, that's a whole different story. Well, so. dad, dad, when he raised bees, it was, you know, I don't know if it's just, you know, anthropophizing something, but it, the queen tends to know who's taking care of her. And, you know, it is a belief that the bees know their caretaker. You know, this person is gentle and it's in watching over us. And, you know, I, I was told by that some old time. It was my dad truly believed in and I saw it because he'd open up a hive and all that, you know, I would joke the queen would look at him and go, hi, <laughs> you know, but it was just. It was pretty amazing just to see, you know, a beekeeper, a true beekeeper and his hives is uh, completely different than someone who, you know, isn't in it, you know, for actually respecting the hive. Yeah, it's like a bee whisperer. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we had, uh, that started, it was, I would say, a lot more simpler. There was a lot less uh, pests and diseases than they are now. They got some imported um, mites, varroa mites, um, mites that was... Uh, can kill off hives. Ants are number one. Also, can drive bees. Which is why you need that ant trap, trap Justin, because yeah, so we ant. do have an ant problem with yeah. our bees. So if you don't keep the ants out, it's you don't think about it. But the ants like this, the honey, and they will could possibly, especially out here in the desert, hot, dry. They want the honey, and they could drive the bees out. There's also the CCD thing that was a, a big thing the past couple of years. Um, Colony this collapse disorder that uh, lost or United States lost a bunch of bees over the winter. Mm -hmm. um, unfortunately, we don't have winter out here, but we still have the varroa. We still have issues with disappearing bees. And then also there's it was so popular. Sometimes they were stealing bees. People, no, a friend of mine, yeah. he took his bees up to <laughs> the almond groves and yes. he they just somebody just backed up and took them all, took them all. That's big business. by yeah. So the black market of bees, you know, because mm -hmm. there was a shortage in the last couple of years mm -hmm. that they were stealing it. So people put GPS, they put tracking devices on their hives so that it's, it does get stolen because it is, it's, it, they are expensive. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's expensive hobby mm -hmm. if, uh, to well, get started in a, a expensive profession to, you have to be committed, you know, mm -hmm. to go all in. So I, I know a lot of people that do that. And there's also different breeds of, of bees. Of bees. 
and they all have different characteristics and that's that's fascinating too because uh you say oh one b is the same and it's not they have different colors they have different personalities they have different uh broods mm-hmm. uh, broods and greetings and seasonal stuff and then so, you then you you recruit with Amish things, don't you yeah one of my best one of my best hives we had about years ago was there was a pennsylvania company that uh we called it the Amish. Uh, thing that it produced like six deep high beehive what do you call it six deeps of honey and it was like one of our best hives ever had so we were joking with Amish bees but you know <laughs> good, work good workers <laughs> so. well the, the 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 queen who you get was was from an Amish man he they, the queen determines sort of like the the overall um I guess what yeah some people traits. don't know that you can yeah. take uh, Africanized killer beehive and requeen it mm-hmm. to a domestic breed and it will in in a couple weeks mm-hmm. 30 60 days they will actually turn domestic domestic bees so it's really it's really fascinating it's uh I get excited and carried away, as you can tell. So <laughs> you can speak all language, chicken and bees here. We'll go on for hours. Yeah, no, I, I agree. It is it is fascinating. And, um, you know, uh, goats and cows and horses and dogs and really every living species has their own way of, of developing their community. And in, in many cases, they're actually more... Um, functional than maybe humans are. I mean, look at all those thousands and thousands of bees in a very tight space with one leader and they're productive. Yeah. And they all get along. And <laughs> <laughs> so, Except well, for the drones. Yeah. Well, they don't work too hard. They don't sting either. So the male bees are get dragged out yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and dumped. <laughs> Drama. Or when you know, Netflix, you just watch, you download, you know, be watching, right? Mm-hmm. It's like binge on Netflix, you binge on be watching. Yeah. It's like drama. <laughs> yeah. So, so, what, and that, so you were telling what other products um, that you were tied on for the B side? Um, yeah. Um, um, honey extraction. Um, you know, the, the smokers that uh, we're, we're kind of learning as we go. So again, you know, if you guys wanted to review our, our beekeeping supplies and see what we're missing, we're relying a lot on some of our Amish neighbors. Mm-hmm. Um, but because they are not um, um, up on technology, maybe some new things out that we haven't heard about. Um, one of the things that we would like to do is um, put a hive on the property. Mm-hmm. So Pete, there's always, you know, there's always liability. Like we'd love to have live chickens too. What if somebody gets hurt? And so we're, we're trying to, to balance that out. Um, people love to not just go shop. I'm talking about the retail store, but to see things, to experience things, um, whether it's shelling peas or shucking corn or making cider or, you know, watching the bees or looking at a chicken and, uh, we had a baby goat, a kid, literally, wow. down there at one time. He had been raised by uh, a family with five children. He was like a puppy. I mean, he would beg to be held. He was the cutest thing ever, about two feet high. And the children, many of them that came, of course, were fascinated with him. And how many of them had never made eye contact with a living species of livestock? They had That's never looked at a goat 
looked at, I mean, they knew they existed. They'd seen pictures and, and things like that. But to actually have a goat look you in the face and be able to pick it up and pet it. How many children had never there had that connection that happens when that, I've seen it with children that visit the chickens. It's, they see it in photographs and they have this kind of disconnected view of animals. Like, I don't know, like these paintings, chicken, I don't know, a, a, a fear, some people have a fear, fear, an animate object. They don't see them as living, breathing creatures. So that's what you said to actually look in the animal's eyes and actually see, you know, something there that a living creature that has, Bonded. you know, bonds. It's you could see people kind of, I would say, get a little shocked about it. They don't expect mm-hmm. it from, you know, chickens or goats. They expect it from your dog or cat. But it's mm-hmm. it's a powerful thing when you actually see it happen. Yeah, yeah, it is. I, I would agree. So I've I've always been an animal lover uh, of all types, and so it, it's hard for me to fathom. And I didn't really grow up in a farm, but I grew up in kind of a rural area. But that's probably one of my favorite things. Again, going back to the journey, uh, somebody who maybe is not familiar with this and thinks, "Oh, I I I couldn't. I don't." Yes, you can. Um, some friends of ours, Off Grid with Doug and Stacy, often say, do what you can where you are. Now, they live completely off-grid on 11 acres. And you guys actually are a good example of doing what you can where you are. Because people could say, you live in the city. You can't. Oh, watch us. Yes, we can. So we encourage people, um, say you live in a dorm room, plant a tomato plant and two heads of lettuce so you can have fresh salad. Yeah, or, you know, you don't have to have... Yeah, Dad got started in bees is because he just had a little property in New Zealand and the bees would leave the property and fly four miles, you know, and you could maximize your small space because the bees weren't actually on the property. Chickens and livestock and goats, they don't actually leave the property, but the bees would travel and fly and then bring back. So he said, hey, this is perfect for me in my small property. And then he brought it to Florida and then brought it out here to California. So it's that's one of the reasons why he got into beekeeping because he didn't need all the land that, you know, for the livestock, you know, cattle and sheep and stuff like that. Yeah. Interesting. So he, he was the same way where he wanted to, 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 to do something, but he didn't really have the space that he needed. So he came up with something that would work. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Um, And then You were saying, I like that, you know, the homesteading thing. Are you noticing more people, um, you know, coming to your store and asking questions? You see, you know, um, like not trending, but just people wanting um, to live a more simple life and and things like that. Absolutely. And interestingly enough, it's often people, I even think of myself, my, my, my world at work is technology. I mean, look at us. We're doing, you know, cell phones, podcasts, I think. You know, you guys are, are kind of bridging that gap, too, where your your world is often involved with technology, but your everyday experience is very close to the land. Yeah. So we see people, I, my children, my daughter just graduated from high school, and so much of her world is on demand. You know, it's, it's Netflix, it's Hulu, it's the Kindle. Um, she loves to bake bread from scratch. Um, she loves, she has a sewing machine. She wants a record album. And I feel like millennials, so much of what they have is not real. It's not tactical. It's, you can't feel it or touch it. And so. Oh, virtual we, reality, you know, it's virtual. And that's exactly. scary. Yeah. 
Exactly. And so, you know, animals, too, would be a, a, a big part of that. You could, I don't, do you remember Farmville on Facebook? We had a pretend farm and pretend animals, and that used to just crack me up because there are people who have a real live Farmville, and it's more of a commitment, but it's it's so much more fulfilling. So we, we definitely see people who um, often it's parents who want their children to experience it because they did, um, and it's, it almost seems like it skips a generation. Like we'll have people that come and say, my grandpa or my grandma or my grandchildren want to. And I think of my generation, I've talked to a lot of my female friends too, is that my mother canned and gardened. She was a homemaker. She baked bread. She did all of that, as did her mother. Growing up, I wanted no part of that because I was going to go to college and I was going to have a career and all of that. Interestingly enough now, my daughter wants to do things like she wants to quilt and she wants to knit. Um, I was not receptive, particularly to learning those skills. And so now we have to go back to grandma. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it seems like that's happened for more. Yeah. And that's more and more common now. It skipped a generation sort of. Unfortunately. Yeah. I mean, I mean we did too. I mean, there was something we balked at too, as you know, cause dad was, you, you know, back to the land, uh, you know, he, whole wheat and, and stuff like granola. that and yeah and granola <laughs> and and yeah so but when you go to grandma's house you you said oh wow there was other um you know stuff besides what you were fed at home so you're 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 like like frosted flakes and things like that so <laughs> yeah so i mean so you were like oh but but then you grew out of it um and then you realized you started reading on your own world for me started reading stuff on your own and saying, well, you know, things that you're eating, not good for your body. And then things that we were doing, if we're not good for your, the environment. And so, um, then it became your own sort of journey. And, um, and then, you, you know, you took off, took over where your parents left off. Our grandparents. Yeah. Our grandparents. Yeah. 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 One, one thing too, I noticed about, I'm saying millennials, but really, I don't know, twenties, thirties, forties, but, um, is they tend to be label readers. Like instead of just going to the grocery store, I know this is cheap ramen noodles, chicken noodle soup, throwing stuff in, they're reading labels. And like, I, I take a lot of canned soup to work and my daughter was looking at them and they're very high in sodium. Yeah. So last weekend we made a huge pot of soup from scratch and we took that all week. So, and we also made homemade bread. So not only was that something fun for her and I to do together every day when I packed my lunch, I felt happy that my daughter and I made this soup and they also care. And I, I'm this way too. I care a lot about who made what I'm wearing, what I'm buying. So, you know, if I know if it was a local Amish family that has been doing this for layman's for 50 years, that makes me feel much better than getting the very cheapest thing I can, not really knowing was it child labor? Were they treated poorly? Where I'm not talking imported USA made. I'm just talking about knowing who made the products that you're either eating or wearing or, you know, putting in your home. And we have a lot of fantastic, we call them backstories. Like, okay, here's this rug. Ah, but it's made out of recycled jeans. All the proceeds go overseas and it's hand weaved all by volunteers. Now that's a cool backstory. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, that, yeah, this is like knowing where your products and uh, what you wear and, comes from, and everything from. has a story where your food comes from. And so, yeah, it's, it's, everything's so disconnected and, and yeah, it kind of brings you back and, 
and uh, get you in touch with, you know, what you're wearing, what you're eating, you know, and what you're consuming. Um, and we're all, I, I tell people, yeah, we're all, our, our consumers is just to be a conscious consumer. So, um, and with, you know, conscious, you know, efforts to support, um, you know, stores like yourself. Is there any new things that are coming up that you're excited? I know you said um, chickens and bee equipment, but is there anything else that's coming down the pipeline that's, that people should be on the lookout for too? Um, well, you know, one thing we just introduced it at Christmas, just because it was a toy line, is a new line of locally handcrafted Amish-made line of toys. It's called Eli and Maddie, which are two little children that we have kind of just made up to go along with this brand. But they're little doll bunk beds and rockers and trains, and they're just beautifully handcrafted wood. And, of course, the doll furniture and the doll clothes fit an 18-inch doll, which is code for American Girl. (laughs) But, you know, we we found this couple that has a network of about 12 Amish vendors. Some of them are women, and they sew, and some of them are men, and they woodcraft. Now, the exciting thing about the women in particular is the Amish community is very patriarchal. In other words, the husband makes the money, and the wife stays home and raises the children. But it can be very unfortunate if something happens to the husband and the wife doesn't have a father or brother. So there there aren't many of them, but there are a few Amish women who are very talented seamstresses, but they don't have that financial support that they need. And so they are now sewing by hand doll clothes, stuffed animals, and they're absolutely beautiful. They're real heirloom toys. You know, if you buy a wooden train, for your son, he will give it to his son, and he will give it to his son. So it's the whole Eli and Maddie collection that we're um, we're just really really thrilled with it because it's very high quality. You know, it's very imagination driven. It's the bunk beds. They're not painted. They don't have stickers. They don't go up and down. They don't flip over and turn into a stroller. They don't do anything. They're just bunk beds. Use your imagination. (laughs) Right? That's pretty amazing. (laughs) Exactly. Um, The lines that we've really gotten into are our food. What what we've discovered is, you know, 20 years ago, we had everything to process your own food. You could dehydrate it. You could can it. You could freeze it. We're realizing that a lot of people want that food, but they just don't have the wherewithal to do it themselves. So, for example, we sell everything to canned peaches, but we also sell locally made canned peaches. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So some of the things um, like the canned meat that we mm-hmm. carry, a lot of people canned meat, it's, it's a touch laborious, but we have canned meat that, again, is made locally. That if you want to have canned meat on hand and the ingredient is chicken, mm-hmm. that's it. I mean, wow. it's just chicken. It's <laughs> One ingredient. So, and then, oh, yeah, the, we're also selling um, quite a lot of uh, Amish baked goods. Um, you know, do you know what a shoe fly pie is? Yes, yes, yes. Thanks, thanks to Laura Ingalls and um, uh, um, what is it? Is it a nursery or something that? Well, oh, shoe fly pie don't bother me. Yeah, shoe fly pie don't bother me. My hand alone, nobody. Yeah, yeah. So, well, I think it's so, a, yeah, it's a southern thing too. So yes, we do know what shoe fly pie is. So. Mm-hmm. Yes, and do you know why it's called Shoe Fly Pie? Yes, we do. <laughs> but you might want to tell, tell, tell our everybody. Yes. Tell, those of, tell those who city are listening. Folks. Tell the, the city, city folks. folks that won't raise them. <laughs> yeah, so why don't you tell them? Um, it typically has a lot of molasses in it, which makes it very sweet. 
And so grandma would open up the window and stick it on the windowsill to let it cool. And of course, the flies would come because it was so sweet. So she would have to say shoo to all the flies. And it just became known as the shoe fly pie. Yep. I love that. <laughs> I, my aunt one time made uh, chess pie. And you're like, what the heck is chess pie? And it was because this lady, the, the story goes, lady made this. It's like, it was like a pudding pie. Mm-hmm. And it had like a lot of different ingredients in it. And the story was, what kind of pie is this? It's chess pie. It's just pie. pie. <laughs> so it became known as chess pie. <laughs> yeah, I love those things. Yeah, so to find you online. Yeah, we're, we're wrapping up. Um, we're about five minutes to go. So share with our listeners where again and they can you know find um you and and so you know on on, on the internet <laughs> on the line thank the support yeah. so. we appreciate the sponsorship again uh, yeah. i'd like to thank for sponsoring this podcast uh, we love fun. you guys and we're always reminding everybody go to lehman's <laughs> so it's it's one of you guys have a favorite place like if i wouldn't go to the mall if you were nearby i'd be hanging out at your place <laughs> all the time so <laughs> A little road trip. <laughs> You're a little far, but I'd be like, meet me at Layman's. <laughs> have fun there. Well, hey, we would love to do, we call them meet and greets. I know it is a, a long way away, but um, what you would do is promote to your audience that you're going to be at Layman's, and then we would promote to our audience that you're going to be at Layman's, and we, we've done that some with, with some other folks, so maybe just keep that on your, your radar if you ever want to come to Ohio. Just don't come in January, okay? <laughs> don't worry, we're Californians. We won't be there in January. It's a little too cold. <laughs> yeah, so again, tell our end before we wrap up and tell people where they can find you. Absolutely. Layman's.com, L-E-H-M-A-N-S.com. Um, there's a lot of resources on there too. Uh, if you go to the homepage on the lower left-hand side is our blog and there are lots of articles on um, how to everything to how to freeze fruit to um, what's unique about an old-time ringer washer to maintaining your wood cook stove. Just a lot of content there. Um, our retail store is in Kidron, Ohio, which is about an hour south of Cleveland and two hours north of Detroit, right in the heart of Amish country. And you're also on Facebook and you have a YouTube channel, correct? We do, yes. We, we have a very active uh, Facebook following and we, we post um, a lot. And so we, we love it when customers post to um, pictures, questions, product ideas, um, anything. We're, we're very um, very eager to hear from customers. That's very important to us. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, thank you again for joining us and and chatting. It was, as always, a pleasure to exchange stories and hear what you are doing new and hopefully, um, yeah, we'll check back in a couple months and see what you guys do. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Thank you so much. Boy, this is a quick way to spend an hour, isn't it? I know. Time flies, huh? Right. Well, great. Well, enjoy the rest of your day and have a fantastic weekend. You too. Thank Thank you. Thank you so much. Let's go down to the urban homestead, Pasadena by the freeway. Right down there on the urban homestead, Jules and his family are working away. Come on down to the farm in the city, back to the future, back to the plan. Right down there on the urban homestead, loving the life back into the land. Oh, oh, oh.
garden grow. Singing, oh, we've got to help the garden grow. The Urban Homestead theme song was written and recorded by Tom Fair. Thanks, Tom. our show. Thank you so much for joining us. Be sure to tune in until next time. This is Annie East, Justin. Jordan. Keep Good on time. growing. Remember to follow us on our website, urbanhomestead.org. Also on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. We love to hear your feedback. And if you'd like to become a podcast patron, go to urbanhomestead.org forward slash podcast.